strange stories of peculiar people and extraordinary events throughout history. This is Notorious Narratives. Welcome to Notorious Narratives. I'm Jen. And I'm Robin. And tonight we're going to talk about the voodoo queen of New Orleans, Marie Laveau. Mm. So Marie Laveau is straight up new orleans legend she <laughs> is be like shut up bitch not a straight up bitch i mean i guess it depends on yeah, if you're on the receiving end bitch. of any of her curses but if you're on her good side i think that she was pretty straight up like nice lady but she is new orleans royalty it is completely impossible to figure out what is myth and what is truth after two centuries of oral tradition that has just embellished her story so marie laveau the voodoo queen of new orleans was born in the french quarter on September 10th, uh, 1794, to a freed slave named Marguerite and a free mulatto businessman named Charles Laveau. She grew up on her father's plantation and was educated and studied to be a hairdresser. Marie's grandmother was actually brought over from West Africa as a slave in 1743 and was bought actually by a free woman of color named Francois Pomay. Oh, okay. Yeah, which I found was really interesting that it was actually pretty common practice that freed slaves were... would. Continue to have slaves. Marie Laveau herself actually owned slaves. So Catherine Marie's grandmother was eventually able to buy her freedom and she actually owned her own home. It was actually in this same house that the legend of Marie Laveau was born. In 1819, Marie was briefly married to another free black man named Jacques Paris. He was actually from Haiti. Her marriage certificate, which actually remains on file at the St. Louis Cathedral in New Orleans, describes Marie as a tall, beautiful and statuesque woman with curly black hair and golden skin with for those of you who do not know good features in that particular time related to the fact that she's (laughs) no it meant that she looked more white than black so paris actually went missing and was presumed dead in 1824 marie insisted that he was dead and that she was a widow but there is evidence that she was actually abandoned that he just like peaced out on her oh so this is where the legend of marie laveau begins after her husband's death right so i'm going to talk a little bit about the the practice of voodoo and and it's beautiful beautiful its origins yeah yeah gorgeous woman i think that's what a lot has to do with it too is that she was so beautiful that she just lured people right she just got so popular because of her looks and her beauty she had charisma my woman had charisma 20 points charisma 20 (laughs) she was a natural 20 charisma natural 20 all right so vodou as a religious system or voodoo is derived from spiritual practices from dahomey which is the historic uh, west african kingdom that is the present day benin it's actually a fawn the word voodoo or vodou is a fawn word which means spirit or deity this practice was transported to the united states during the transatlantic slave trade the african religion was brought to new orleans first by an initial group of enslaved africans from west africa so after the haitian revolution another wave of african people brought the religion into new orleans the tradition was strengthened and reinforced by the free and enslaved african community within new orleans it's important to note that this practice of voodoo in new orleans is not its purest manifestation so when you think about this practice in relation to the practice of west africa in dahomey they're very different also it's not the same religious system that is observed in haiti so this is like sort of very american very new orleans form of voodoo saint domingue was isolated and religious and cultural practices were maintained and sustained however in new orleans voodooists had to adhere to strict european laws codes and the oppression that was associated with their enslavement so often under the scrutiny of public authorities 
officials and law, they were not allowed to like practice in the exact same ways that they would have back in Haiti or in West Africa. So nevertheless, voodoo held strong presence in New Orleans throughout the centuries and voodoo ceremonies and activities took place in various sites all around the city, like out in public, like in the street. Crazy. So voodoo in New Orleans consisted of a root work and gris gris or juju. People would seek out conjurers and other spiritualists for spiritual intervention to help gain protection in their daily affairs. These favors ranged from those concerning love and political influence to desire for money, Mm -hmm. land, all different people. Health. Right, health. People went there for all different reasons. Although most workers use their powers for positive forces, there are some who did not. It is probably the work of that small percentage of people that was sensationalized by people outside of the religion that actually caused them to have such a bad rep during that time. Also, rampant racism, you know, the very, like, religious white groups who saw this as any of the practices that involved animals, mm. you know, seances, magic, anything like that they saw as outside being the, evil. Yeah, outside, it wasn't, anything outside their norm. Especially outside the Catholic Church, because... Mm-hmm. You know, the even like within Catholicism, there's a lot of ritual. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. There is a lot less ritual in other types of Christianity, though. Hi, everybody. I'm Katie Segal. And I'm Kurt Sutter. And welcome to our new podcast called Pi, People, Influences, and Experiences. Yes, it's sort of the uh, get to know you at a deeper level, the who, what, when, where, and why you are rather than what it is you do. Absolutely. We're not going to talk too much about what people do. We just want to know about their families, where they come from, you know, what shapes their parenting if they have kids, what shapes their marriages if they're married. We just want to be really nosy. We want to get in there. A deep dive into nature and nurture. And we started it because there are a lot of people that we don't know that we are curious about. Right. And I have no friends, so for me, it's... You know, try like, to get him out of the house. Listen to it on whatever you listen to <laughs> podcasts on. Yeah, podcast your, homecasts. Your, 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 your podcasting apparatus. Watch it on the YouTube. He's aging himself. So this aspect of the religion became known as hoodoo. So the dark stuff became known as like hoodoo and is often the basis of misconceptions of public society and what they have about voodoo. The people who like did curses and things like that. There's always some, like, there's always a reason someone went to go see someone like this. Either what it had to do with revenge, love, you know, money, um, which is politics, land, sex. Yeah, everything. Right. It's always, you know, you don't, and then these people weren't sought out for like normal. Yeah. And the church hated that because those are the things that they can't control. After her husband's death, uh, Marie began working as a hairdresser and she catered ideally to wealthy white and Creole women. Many of these women viewed Marie as a trusted friend and confidant. They would confess all of their most intimate secrets their desires, every little secret that they had about their husbands, their lovers, their family secrets, the secrets of their money, their estates, all their husbands' business affairs, you know, like they would just yap it up to Marie. She was a very good listener. That gave her a lot of power. The power of listening is just... Yes, ma'am. She basically controlled everyone now. Yeah. In 1826, she actually began a 30-year-long relationship, or what was called a common-law marriage, with a white Louisiana a man of French noble descent. His name is Christophe Glapion. She lived with him until his death in 1855, but she was always referred to as Laveau, because interracial relationships, though were very common at the time, were actually, they were not allowed to be legally married. So in 1830, referring to herself at this time as the Widow Paris, that was her first 
first husband's name, the Haitian gentleman. The last name was Paris. So she called herself the widow Paris. And she learned voodoo from a man known as Dr. John or John Bayou. And she was one of several voodoo queens in New Orleans. Though she was never married to Christophe Glapion, that white gentleman, she bore 15 of his children in rapid succession. Jesus Christ. Oh yes, ma'am. God. 15. That just came out of nowhere. So needless to say. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. Neither was I. I was reading. I was like, come along, marriage my ass. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so needless to say, her uh, hairdressing career sort of fell apart, you know, because oh she had no time for that foolishness with 15 children. I can barely get by with the one. Anyway, so while caring for her small army of children, which was a full-time job in and of itself, she quickly ended her career, uh, her hairdressing career. Marie, who was also a devoted Catholic and oozed charisma with her flair for the dramatic, Mm -hmm. she combined those, her belief in voodoo and the practices that she had learned from Bayou John, and she mixed that with Catholic traditions, utilizing holy water, incense, statues of saints, and she often used Catholic prayers. Doing this practice made it more palatable to the upper crust New Orleans crowd. Her beliefs included the recognition of spiritual forces, which can be kind or mischievous. These spirits were believed to preside over daily life and could intercede in the lives of the followers in either good or mischievous mm-hmm. ways. So a connection with these spirits can be achieved through dance, music, singing, and handling of snakes. Handling of snakes. Yes, ma'am. She quickly became known as the voodoo queen of New Orleans. She took charge of all the public rituals that took place within town and in the Congo Square, which was one of the segregated areas. Mm -hmm. So she took charge of the voodoo practices that were done in public. She also ran operations at a place called Maison Blanche, or the White House, which was built... (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Isn't that funny? (laughs) Um, The White House, which was actually built to have secret voodoo meetings, as well as to cater to liaisons between black women and white men. Do you think they saw snakes? Why why snakes? Oh, no. No. You're like Indiana I'm Jones still, over there I'm with your fear of snakes. I'm still, I'm still on, I'm still on the whole, whole snake thing. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. So Marie made a, quite a good income between the Maison Blanche house, as well as selling the Gris Gris, an amulet originating in Africa, which is believed to protect the wearer from evil and brings luck. So she sold that. She sold charms, magic powders, these powders that she said would cure different ailments. Mm -hmm. She would also grant desires. Yeah, I think that she also has the power of... And she would also confound and destroy one's enemies. She also told fortunes, gave advice on love, and prepared custom gris-gris for anyone needing the effect or a cure, charm, or a hex. She rose quickly to a position of power within the community because of her strong personality, her charitable works, and her natural charm and beauty. So some of her charitable works was that she would post bail for free women of color. She would nurse uh, patients who had yellow fever. She would also visit condemned prisoners and pray with them in their final hours. Her cottage was filled with altars, candles, holy images, and offerings. She led weekly meetings where participants dressed in all white would sing and chant. They would leave offerings of liquor and food to the spirits. Marie also saw individual clients and would give them advice. In her obituary, they said that she, that all of these different types of people would seek her counsel, lawyers, legislators, planters, merchants, Absolutely. and yeah, that they would come and seek her yeah. advice. Yeah. Though some scholars 
believed that Laveau's feared magical powers of divination were actually based on her network of informants, which she had developed while her working as a hairdresser in the households of the prominent. You did say that she heard everything. She had all the dirt. Mm-hmm. As she visited her clients, mostly white, she listened closely to their gossip. She also excelled at obtaining inside information on her wealthy patrons by instilling fear in their servants, whom she either paid or cured of their mysterious ailments. Cured. So she would like basically either get the information from the women mm-hmm. or she would get the information from the slaves through fear. Either or she's getting some information. So she, yeah. So basically she was able to make the things happen for her clients because of the information that she had. Mm-hmm. So if a wealthy man came to her and was like, you know, I'm really worried about like getting like this contract or getting this land or, and, and then, then she would talk to the person who was against them and be like, you know, it's a bad idea. Nothing good's going to come from mm-hmm. it, you know? Like, so it was like she played both sides to make things happen the way Absolutely. she wanted them to happen. You know, she was very intelligent. She was an educated woman. And, you know, she she made things happen the way she wanted them to. Also, let's not forget that she's a mother of 15. Mother of 15. She knows how to manipulate 15. and make things happen. Please. I can't even. So she overthrew all the other voodoo queens of New Orleans. She does an oracle and conducted private rituals uh, behind her cottage on St. Anne Street in the French Quarter. She performed exorcisms and offered sacrifices to the spirits. Oral tradition suggests that the occult part of her magic mixed with Roman Catholic beliefs, including saints, with African spirits and religious concepts. So she staged ceremonies in which participants would look like they had been possessed by voodoo spirits known as Leos. So at the same time, she also healed the sick and was regarded by many admirers as a living saint due to her humanitarian work. She worked with both the rich and the poor and sought aid of her dark powers to control lovers, gain fame and fortune, become pregnant, and exact revenge on others. So basically, people came to her for every manner of thing. Absolutely. And it's like, when did I come to her to get pregnant? I wonder if she just taught them, like, because I mean, clearly the girl knew how to get pregnant. I know. (laughs) Well, you lay on the side and it's fine she's like oh just have sex a week after your period you know you wonder if she just taught them about ovulation Mm -hmm. anyway though all races were known to seek her advice the white community never really accepted voodoo as a religion which is actually part of the reason why even today that it's still considered to be kind of like an occult practice in about 1875 but it's funny i'm sorry but it's it's so funny because it's yeah it's an occult practice blah 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 but people still sort of kind of believe it. If they're going through New Orleans, if they, if there's a reason why someone's going to New Orleans, it's because they want to see this person's, like, entire existence. Like, there's, I'm pretty sure there's tours on everything. Like, oh, this is, where, like, she was, like, famous person in New Orleans, right? Oh, yeah. She's hugely famous yeah, in New Orleans. So it's, like, there are actually, like, there are stores. Yeah. So it's just so funny and how it was, so, it was such, like, a strange occult and, like, but after her death... She is incredibly popular mm-hmm. today. So around 1875, Marie actually gave her last performance and announced that she was retiring to her home on peaceful St. Anne Street in the Old Quarter. But she never really retired. She continued her work and was said to have still been active when visiting the poor and the imprisoned um, and that she still gave readings in her home. On June 15th, 1881, Marie died peacefully in her house on St. Anne Street at the age of 86. Wow, 86? Yeah. Yeah. One writer, Lefcadio Hearn, actually referred to her as one of the kindest women who ever lived. Her fame guaranteed prominent obituaries in the, the New Orleans Times Picayune, as well as the New York Times. Reporters painted in the most glorious terms a saintly figure who nursed the sick and prayed incessantly with the diseased and the condemned. Marie was buried in the St. Louis Number no. 1 Cemetery in the Laveau-Glapion family crypt. So even though they she wasn't, they weren't married 
they are buried with one another. Oh, that's nice. The burials are in above-ground vaults. Most were constructed in the 18th and 19th century. The above-ground tombs are required in New Orleans because of the groundwater levels, which mm-hmm. make burial beneath ground impractical in New Orleans. All of the cemeteries are relatively intact after Hurricane Katrina. Of all the elaborate grave sites to be found in New Orleans, the grave that attracts the most attention and the most visitors each year is Marie Laveau's tomb. I want to see it so bad. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so bad. There is another crypt in uh, the St. Louis Cemetery Number no. 2 that is known as the Wishing Vault or the Voodoo Vault, where visitors illegally draw XXX on a white slab in the hopes that Laveau's spirit will grant them a wish. It is typically decorated with hearts, pentagrams, poetry, and initials. While there is no real evidence that it, it is actually Marie Laveau's tomb, hundreds of visitors each year make the regular pilgrimage to the site where, according to tradition, Marie's spirit would personally intervene to anyone leaving an offering of coins, Mardi Gras beads, flowers, rum, or candles. So it's weird because, like, cemetery number one is supposed to have the tombs of the family. Yep. Cemetery number two is supposed to be, like, the voodoo area. Mm-hmm. So are they saying that she was split up into multiple areas? Is, is... I don't know why people so are visiting weird. number yeah. two if she is historically said to be in number one. I just don't know. So today, thousands still visit the tomb of Marie Laveau and ask favors and leave small gifts. Coins, Mardi Gras beads, candles in the tradition of voodoo offerings. Across the street from the cemetery, offerings of pound cake are left um, at the statue of... Pound cake? Saint Expedite, who represents the spirit standing between life and death. These offerings are believed to expedite the favors of Marie Laveau. So... I heard of... I heard of candles. I never heard of pound cake. I've never heard of pound cake. That's I've right. heard of candles and rum. Yes. And coins. Candles, yes. rum, coins, sometimes a doll. Yes. If they're doing something really weird. But, um... Never pound cake. Marie Laveau continues to be a central figure in Louisiana voodoo and in New Orleans cultures. Gamblers shout out her name when throwing dice and multiple <laughs> tales of sightings. Marie Laveau! It's like maybe like men scream it when they're having like an orgasm. <laughs> Marie Laveau! <laughs> um, and multiple tales of sightings of the voodoo queen have been told. Her grave has more visitors each year than even the grave of Elvis Presley. Even though she's not officially considered to be a saint, there is a strong movement to have her canonized. So today, the main focus of New Orleans voodoo is to serve others and influence the outcome of life events with the connection with nature, spirits, and ancestors. Voodoo methods include readings, spiritual baths, specially devised diets, prayer, and personal ceremony. Voodoo is often used to cure anxiety, addictions, depression, loneliness, and other ailments. It seeks to help the hungry, the poor, and the sick, just the way that Marie Laveau once did. So she basically created New Orleans voodoo. I I, I love that. And I and I completely agree the fact that her her burial site is more popular than Elvis Presley because people love the strange, people love the unknown, oh, yeah. people love the unusual. And the fact that not only that, but the whole place itself I mean, I've never been there. It's one of my dreams to go to the cemetery, yeah. but it is a vision upon itself just yeah. to walk in there and everything is above ground and just. I want to go to those cemeteries so bad. I, I want to be in a parade. I want to go. I know. Down, like I want to. I want to go down the the road and like walk towards the cemetery. Like it's it's just it's a beautiful beautiful city. I really want to go there. But yeah, so I was really excited to learn everything that I learned about Marie Laveau. Mm -hmm. And, you know, during that time, she was such an incredibly strong woman. And she held sway over so many different areas of life in New Orleans in terms of like religion, politics, business. What's what's great is that she's had 15 children, which means that her generation is still alive today. For sure. Like she... Yeah, there's no doubt that there are still 
and, and descendants of Marie Laveau. That's and and that's amazing. Yeah, like her, oh. actually, her daughter uh, continued her practices for a good long time. Her daughter was also Marie, or maybe she just called herself Marie because she did voodoo. I maybe. forget. Well, whatever it is, beautiful, yeah. awesome, yeah, so fucking cool. So, a story of a badass bitch, <laughs> the voodoo queen of New Orleans, Marie Laveau. Just another notorious narrative. Have a show idea? Send it on over to us along with any questions, comments, or corrections to NotoriousNarratives at gmail.com. You can follow us on our Instagram at NotoriousNarratives and Twitter at NotoriousTales. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Every review helps other listeners to find us. Thanks so much.